Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, it's Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. And here is the episode that some of you have been writing me about. In Sunday's episode, I talked about a preview for Raw, and then I talked about some speculations that I had been hearing and reading, especially on Reddit and Twitter, and then talked about the two official matches for WrestleMania Backlash. And I thought I had casually mentioned it, but as one person who wrote my email stated, I mentioned it three or four times. And I thought I did, and I went back and kind of skim-listened. I hate my voice, but uh, skim-listened to that episode, and they were right. Um, The reason why doing a Bianca slash Bailey podcast episode was on my mind at that time was I had been in a chat, I guess it was Friday night, in a Discord chat, and people jumped on the bandwagon. This one lady said, I can't believe how well and how poised Bianca Belair is at such a young age. And a lot of people chimed in, yeah, yeah, I can't either. I can't believe she's, they're already making her champion and da, 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 da. And that hit me weird. But I was watching SmackDown. I was flipping back and forth through basketball games, trying to keep up with other scores. Some of you know that I have the Daily Sports Betting Overtime podcast where I bet on sports like crazy. Anyway, I thought it was really weird, but I don't know enough about Bianca Belair on Friday to fight with anyone or to give out any information or even act like I know what I'm talking about. I did, however, know that she was older than Sasha Banks. Because quite a few people had mentioned that in the lead up to WrestleMania 37. And so 
I almost said that, but I, I decided, nah, it's not really worth it. You don't know what you're talking about when it comes to Bianca Belair. And so just keep flipping back and forth and looking at scores. But I guess it was in the back of my head when I recorded that episode on Sunday. And I had, at that time, started a little bit of research into Bianca Belair. And was really shocked, because obviously Bianca Belair is not her real name. But was actually shocked to find out I knew her from before. Um, when she ran track at the University of Tennessee. Because during some of my research, YouTube clips come up of her running track and, and everything. It really did jog my memory. If you don't know, I am a big Florida Gators fan. Huge. Root for them and everything. Used to be a track coach. And so I definitely watch them when they're on TV, especially on the SEC network. And I remember her. She was, oh, extremely good. And I decided to delve into her in track and find out, you know, was she invited to the Olympics or anything like that ran across a article by ESPN Sean Hurd. And in it, he said, quote, she had a volatile six-year track career, unquote. And I was like, what? Because... I don't remember her six years at Tennessee smoking my gators or anything like that. And so that led me into looking into some other things. And I I didn't realize that she started at the University of South Carolina, then went to Texas A&M, sat out a complete year, and then went to Tennessee. Guys, I can't tell you how good of a track athlete she was. Um, She was all SEC, which in track is a big deal. And she was all American. And she was an all-American scholar athlete for two years. So... Not only is she athletic, she's smart. But I thought, what happened to her in between? Because I had already found out she's only been wrestling for five years. Now, I'll come back to that in a minute. But, guys, she's 32 years old. She is in the primetime of her wrestling career. They say 30s are it. So I know we're going to see some great stuff out of her. Found out that through lifting weights at the University of Tennessee, 
she really got into powerlifting. She got in and became a CrossFit competitor. Was extremely good at that. She was on CrossFit, I believe it was magazine, cover. She was a big deal in CrossFit. However, when she was pretty much on top or getting ready to become the top female, she got diagnosed with shifting rib syndrome. And they said, no, no, no more CrossFit. Now, I don't know whether she continues doing some CrossFit exercises, but I know she had to quit competing. Shifting rib syndrome, to me, sounds like it could even be dangerous in pro wrestling. One chop, one blow, one, you know, accident, somebody moves or she doesn't move or whatever, and she gets nailed, I would think that would cause some issues. I hope that that never happens to her whatsoever but after she found out about that she said on a whim she decided hey i i'm gonna apply for wwe's prospect list around the same time within a month or two mark henry saw her profile on crossfit's site and gave her a call. Said that he could set up a interview and get her a tryout at WWE, which he did. And so in April of 2016, she signed with WWE. Now, let me show you how good she is. She had never wrestled before. Never been on the indies, anything like that. Signed with WWE, sent to the Performance Center, April 2016. She was on a NXT live event, not on TV, cutting a promo in June. So they saw her smarts, they saw her ability to speak, they saw her ability to try to relate to the crowd in two months. She had her in-ring debut, again, not on TV, in September. Yeah, that's right. Five months into learning how to wrestle, she had an in-ring debut. She was on TV, NXT TV, within a year. In May of 2017. She was part of a battle royal, and I know some of you are going to say, oh, that's not a real match, blah, blah, blah. whatever. She was on TV for NXT. They trusted her enough after one year. Guys, she ended up going on a year-long undefeated streak. 
of taking on anybody and everybody from January um, 2018 to take over Phoenix January 2019. And on her way up the ladder to get to Shayna Baszler at TakeOver Phoenix, she took on some pretty talented wrestlers, some still in NXT, some already moved up to the roster. And she lost her undefeated streak after 365 days when she competed at TakeOver Phoenix. She got beat by Shayna Baszler. Guys, Shayna Baszler and NXT beat pretty much everyone. Should probably be beating almost everyone in Raw, but they've stuck her in a tag team. But anyway, where you, if you don't remember her from NXT because you either didn't have the network or you didn't watch NXT because I know there were are some people out there that just didn't watch NXT you saw her for the first time ever in November of 2019 when NXT invaded and then she was a member of Team NXT at Survivor Series in November so She's a year and a half. She's part of the invasion. She doesn't have the belt. And she's a year and a half. From facing Sasha Banks in WrestleMania 37. You had to know that WWE had, I don't want to say a plan, I don't even know if they have plans now, but I don't know that they had a plan for her, but they had hopes, I guess, for her, because when Charlotte, last year, right before the pandemic hit, they were trying to jazz up NXT's ratings on USA Network. Bianca challenged Charlotte to a match. And they actually had a match. Of course, Charlotte beat Bianca. But you should remember this if you were watching NXT at this time. Because Charlotte ended up hurting Bianca Belair with a chair and hurt her ankle. That was her last match in NXT, February of 2020. Now, in April 2020, two months later, she shows up at WrestleMania 36 to save the Street Profits. The very next night on Raw... She became an official member of the Raw roster. April 2020. Remember, she signed with WWE April 2016. 
So four years in NXT, she is on Raw. Guys, that's amazing. For someone who's never wrestled, ever, she shows up. Now, in October 2020, after not really being used on Raw, she gets drafted to SmackDown. And I'll be honest with you guys. I thought the only reason why she got drafted to SmackDown was because the Street Profits got drafted to SmackDown. And they don't like to split up married couples or couples that are dating. So, that's where, remember the tag team belts between the New Day and the Street Profits were just switched? Because both of them switched brands. So, after basically sitting and catering for, a, you know, a little while, when she was brought up to Raw and wasn't really used, she gets on SmackDown, and I can't help but think, Paul Heyman had to have seen her talent. Or... Natty Sasha Bailey went to bat for her. Remember, as she comes over to SmackDown, what has happened. So let's go back in the time capsule. And this is kind of where the Bailey part comes in. Let's go through the timeline. I have to. You guys know how I feel about how they jocked the whole Bailey Sasha storyline that these two women had been working on and that all their fans wanted to see or thought they wanted to see for four or five years. Bailey and Sasha, it is a known fact, fought. To get women's tag titles in WWE. We all know they didn't hold them that long. And they lost them to the Iconics, I believe. And I think everyone thought it was a huge disaster. The tag titles from then on just languished. They were kind of a running joke, just to be honest with you. Bailey was a SmackDown champion. Her and Sasha had reunited on SmackDown, became a, gosh, formidable duo, and they were the women that saved WWE. In the pandemic era. Do not tell me Drew McIntyre. Do not tell me Randy Orton. Yes, I believe if you want to name two men, those two men helped. But I'm telling you, in the very beginning of the pandemic, Asuka really got, hey, there's no crowds, so I'm going to dance. I'm going to yell in Japanese. I'm 
going to entertain myself. I think it took one time of Oscar doing that for Bailey and Sasha to realize, oh, we just need to entertain each other. And occasionally we'll entertain Michael Cole and Corey Graves and get them to laugh. But we're just going to kind of play off each other. And they truly came into their own. And even though they were heels, great heels, when you look at that body of work. Guys, if you go back and look on Twitter, you look on the internet, you look in chat forums, you look on Reddit, people loved them. People were tuning in left and right for them. They were talking about them constantly. WWE makes the decision, either through prompting or somebody got a thought down there on creative. You guys know I hate creative. But anyway... Um, hey, let's give them the tag titles. Great. That allowed them to go to all three brands and help all three brands. The women's division on all three brands. Not with them in the ring. Although they, I'm sure that they helped the women in the ring. But so many people have spoke out that during the pandemic, when they were allowed to travel to all three brands and they were showing up at the performance center at NXT and helping people that they were doing it off TV. They were doing it quietly. You weren't seeing podcasts about it you weren't seeing articles about it you they weren't doing it to get into the good graces of fans i don't believe either woman cared that the fans knew however the wrestlers did and rest even wrestlers that have now since been released talked about it how helpful they were being around, being able to ask questions, giving out their phone numbers or how to contact them to ask a question, you know, at 11 o'clock at night. You saw the women's division come into its own and get a lot of time. They were shown on TV a lot. Now, whether Bailey and Sasha were involved or not, yeah, sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. But you got to see them just bloom, the whole entire women's division. Somebody down there, probably the same idiot that's done a lot of stuff, that shall remain nameless, Bruce, um, got the big idea, which we all knew was coming, that they were going to turn on each other. And fans were even wanting it. Fans were talking about it. Podcasters were talking about it. And saying, this has to be the WrestleMania match. Well, I don't know if somebody 
mentioned it around Vince. He read it. I I don't know. But Vince decided to pull the trigger on that in August. Why? Honestly, I think he wanted to try to pump up viewers for SummerSlam and remember Payback was held a week later. I truly believe that 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 was the reason. Was it the right call? I've always said no. No, it wasn't. You don't take a storyline you've been building for four or five years that you've put the focus on all summer long and blow it up. That could have showed more cracks. That could have been drawn out. A lot of things could have happened. However... At SummerSlam and then Payback, we saw them lose the tag titles, and then we saw them, not them, we saw Sasha lose her Raw Championship, which then, for some reason, they come up with the idea that Bailey had to turn on Sasha before Sasha turned on her. And all of this happens within a month. It's not drawn out. It's not told. There was not Sasha loses her belt and is being sneaky and Bailey is catching her or noticing things or other wrestlers are coming to Bailey and saying, you know, Sasha's been running her mouth or anything like that. I know they were going for the shock factor. But sometimes shock factors blow up. And I really truly think this should have been drawn out. It wasn't. Um I believe they wrestled two times on regular TV. Um, they obviously Bailey lost her belt at Hell in a Cell in October. The same October the draft happened and Bianca comes to SmackDown. Guys, to show you how popular they were, they were the first match on SmackDown. On SmackDown, not pay-per-view. Smackdown. They drew for their match, the very first match, 2.5 million viewers. It was one of the highest segments that Smackdown had the whole entire year of 2020. And as soon as that match ended, according to Dave Metzler, who keeps track of all the segments, I look at ratings, but I don't look at segments. But according to him, as soon as that match was over, the ratings completely fell off a cliff. 
and continued going down the rest of the show. Why you wouldn't want to draw that out, I don't know. Instead, they bring back Carmella with a new character. She's been out six months. And she immediately jumps ahead of everyone to get in a program with Sasha Banks after Survivor Series. She has two pay-per-view matches with Sasha Banks. They were great. I I have to give Carmella complete credit. She held her own with Sasha and looked awesome. But remember, Bailey got one pay-per-view in a storyline that they've been building for four or five years. Carmella gets two pay-per-view matches with Sasha in a storyline that they had built up in about six weeks. In the meantime, Bianca starts in with Bailey. And if you remember the tribute to the troops match, Bianca and Sasha are tag team partners while Bailey and Carmella are tag team partners. I believe around Christmas they did the same kind of match. I don't remember when, but around Christmas, somewhere around there. And then Royal Rumble happens, and it's like Bailey almost dropped off the face of the earth, and they dropped that storyline completely. It became all about Bianca winning the Rumble and who's she going to choose? And I was like, what? It was also like Carmella dropped off the face of the earth and her whole storyline with Sasha was done. And for four months, yes, four months, we have a convoluted storyline of Bianca and Sasha kind of being a tag team, being forced to be a tag team, but getting distracted by Reggie and going for the tag team titles, but yet they're going to face each other at WrestleMania 37. What? You can't come up with better ideas. So, when I said that on Sunday night and said, oh, I need to do an episode on that. This basically was supposed to be a rebooking of Bianca Belair. What I had in mind. As I kind of sat down and thought about it and kind of tried to flesh some of it out, I realized it wasn't a rebooking of only Bianca because, you know, if you change one thing, it affects other things. And it causes a rebooking of Bailey. 
a rebooking of Sasha, a rebooking of Carmella. And to a point, a rebooking of Natty and maybe even Tamina. How I would have done it. I would have continued. Number one, I would not have blew up Sasha Bailey, but they did. So I'm starting from there. So it's October 2020. Bailey has just lost the Hell in a Cell match. I think with that. You have to continue that storyline to a point. I understand Survivor Series was in November and Sasha had to take on Asuka. Bailey had to be part of the Survivor Series SmackDown team. I think I still would have continued that in some way. Either being a distraction, either interfering, um, putting some kind of insecurity into each other, pointing out where Sasha has lost to Oscar before, pointing out where Bailey's never been a captain before. Can she truly captain a Survivor Series team and get a victory? Um, something like that. I would have still had them jawing at each other, but maybe not having matches. I never would have started Bailey Bianca because they didn't finish it. And so now they're picking it up now and it makes zero sense. Most of the time, WWE... Hopes we forget storylines. With this nightmare that they've just started, with Bailey just saying, I want my title back, okay, WrestleMania backlash. Uh, they're kind of hoping you do remember Bianca and Bailey, but with Bianca, number one, being new to SmackDown, number two, you. Them setting her basically in catering when she was on Raw. I feel like you needed to tell her story. She needed a video package. She needed to be introduced. Not everybody watches NXT and knew that she was the EST. I think she needed to prove she was the EST. And I think in October, while Bailey and Sasha are in Hell in a Cell, you're doing that by putting her in a short-term program with either Tamina or Natty. And you're introducing Carmella the same exact way with vignettes her writing the untouchable on the mirror, all of that, you're introducing her character while Bianca 
is being introduced to the WWE Universe through a short-term program with Tamina, who's been wrestling 12 years, been a second-generation superstar, is part of a famous family, her father's, you know, Jimmy Snuka. She can teach Bianca not only things in the ring, things outside of the ring, and she can introduce her to the WWE Universe. Tamina is someone that could take a loss or two and it not affect her. You talk about another person that has that kind of standing, and it's Natty. Natty has been wrestling for 21 years. She started off with Matt Rats and Stampede and came to the WWE in 2007. She knows WWE backwards, forwards, and sideways. Natty is someone that could have beaten Bianca while still making her look great. And you watch as Bianca starts putting it together, starts getting it right, starts taking it to Natty. And you watch in this program as Bianca blooms right before your very eyes. And I would say, I don't remember exactly when Carmella debuted, but I would probably have had her debut the week of Survivor Series. And I would have had her cut her first promo about being untouchable. And starting her storyline with the same exact storyline happening in Survivor Series of Bailey getting eliminated first, Bianca being the one last, and had her having shown her growth, her maturity, and how. She learned in the ring from Natty. Now, she doesn't have to give Natty credit or anything. The the fans are smart enough to figure that out. But right after Survivor Series, Carmella is cutting another promo about being untouchable and how she is going to destroy everybody in the women's division because they can't match her. Well, the EST takes offense to that and has the confidence to say, yeah, I can touch you. You want to have a match? Because I'll show you. Because I am the EST. She can go through her whole promo crap. Next week, we see Carmella and Bianca in the battle. Number one, you establish Carmella's character. You have them do rubber matches. You're establishing Bianca, who's only been wrestling five years, can take on Carmella, who's only been wrestling seven and a half years, but has been two-time Money in the Bank winner and a champion. 
So that will take you all the way through December and through Royal Rumble. Where at Royal Rumble, instead of Carmella taking on Sasha, you have Carmella in the Royal Rumble. And Bianca picks her up to show that she is the strongest and throws her out. And then slaps her hands together like, I'm done with you. However, the very next week, Carmella is like, no, no, you're not done with me. They have probably, I would say, one more match. Because she is now the Royal Rumble winner. And she does need to be thinking, who am I going to choose? And this is where Bailey would come in. You could go one of two ways. Bailey's saying... You need to choose Asuka. With Bailey being the evil mastermind, that way she'll go away. She will go to Raw. Because she could become the Raw champion. And we're done. Or, because Sasha has her belt, and Bailey truly believes that she'll kick Bianca's butt out. Well, how about you choose Sasha, and I'll work with you. Still the evil mastermind, the master manipulator, of course being obnoxious, telling Bianca, if you choose Sasha, I will help you. I will help you learn her. I will help you learn how to defeat her. I know her better than anyone else here on SmackDown. And they actually become a tag team. Because then you've got Bailey legitimately working with Bianca to beat Sasha. And it makes sense. And it actually... She now owes Bailey, which is where she would get to take on her at WrestleMania Backlash. In the meantime, Carmella has picked the fight with Sasha, and they have their program. So you would see Sasha at Elimination Chamber and Fastlane, not in tag team matches, but in the one-on-ones that they unbelievably did. There, you you see those matches. Those matches that you legitimately question yourself, oh my gosh, is Carmella going to win this? You may even see at Fastlane, Bailey and Bianca cause a distraction. That almost gets Carmella the belt and gets Sasha a little nervous, little scared.
There's none of this, are we a tag team? Are we friends? Oh, Sasha's a, a baby face. No, she's not. And Bianca's a baby face, and they're friends because of that. Because none of that made sense. None of them, no reason that WWE ever gave made any sense for Bianca and Sasha to become a tag team and challenge not once, but twice for the tag team titles. Teasing that they might be the tag team champions that would take on each other at WrestleMania. That's stupid. Instead, you have your most hated, loved heel taking Bianca under her wing and trying to get her to be bad, and Bianca's not wanting to. But she's also learning stuff from Bailey about Sasha that is put in to that awesome storyline that Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair created night one of WrestleMania 37. As screwed up as their storyline was, as it had Reggie involved and then Reggie wasn't involved and distractions were involved and then it came down to, I'm just flat out better than you. It was a storyline that no one understood. It was a storyline that no one liked. But that night in that ring, and I have to give Sasha Banks credit. I know TJ helped them. But Sasha Banks's facials, her selling, her being confident at one point, and taking it to her. Her being nervous slash scared. Being carried up those stairs and across the apron and thrown into the ring. Sasha Banks was magnificent. I personally would have had her keep the belt that night. Because... The storyline was so jacked up. We didn't really know Bianca Belair. I think a lot of people loved what she stood for and cheered her. And there were a lot of NXT fans that cheered her. But I think your average WWE fan, if you would ask them, don't really know much about her doesn't really have a passion for her. And I think you only get that kind of passion that you see with Becky fans, Sasha fans, Natty fans, Oscar fans, Bailey fans. I think you only get Naomi fans too. I think you only get that when you know who they are, 
as wrestlers because you watch them in a ring. But you know who their character is through their promos and their interactions with other wrestlers. The only side, when you sit down and think about it, that you know about Bianca is, number one, she's the ESD. Because they make her repeat that constantly. Two, she wanted to be nice to Sasha, but not really. And she was kind of smart-alecky to Sasha. She's definitely came back being just as obnoxious as Bailey in her whole Bailey interactions. I mean, who couldn't help but laugh when she told Bailey she needed new gear, her gear was dusty. I mean, hello, that's swarmy as all get out. And it was hilarious. She has the it factor. But WWE is ruining it because they're not telling us who she is, either through video packages or allowing her to tell her story herself, or since they have been having her connected to Montez since really the beginning of her introduction to WWE main roster, allow him to talk about it. Allow her to help the Street Profits. One of the best things about last week's SmackDown was having the Street Profits and Bianca together and having them go up against Dolph, Bobby Roode, and Bailey. Now, I don't think Bailey and Dolph and Bobby have a reason to be together. I don't think they have any chemistry together. Uh, probably would have tried to use a different female wrestler. But understand that that was how WWE was trying to build a storyline for Bailey and Bianca for WrestleMania Backlash. But the thing is, she did win WrestleMania. Sasha does deserve time off. Bailey got some time off where she wasn't having to deal with promos, matches. Was she still showing up? Yes. That's who she is and how she is as a worker. Um, Sasha needs some time off. Is Sasha still showing up? Probably. That's who she is and how she is as a worker. I hope she goes on vacation somewhere, but I don't know. Um, so you slide Bailey in kind of in Sasha's place, and you have that storyline start, not continue, because remember, in my world, it didn't happen in December. So you have Bailey. And Bianca taking on each other right after WrestleMania. 
because you have Bailey there who has taught Bianca all the tricks and how to beat Sasha, says, now I want my belt. I helped you. You're going to repay me because I'm going to take my belt. And Bianca's like, yeah, I'm not giving you this belt. I don't care how much you help me or you think you helped me. You really didn't. And I'm not giving you anything. And you have that storyline now that leads to WrestleMania backlash. Now, what do I think should happen from there? You guys aren't going to like it. I honestly think at backlash, Bailey should win it back. I then think she keeps that belt until SummerSlam. Bianca, when Sasha comes back, wants to take on Sasha, and Sasha wants nothing to do with her. She's like, you don't have the belt. I'm going after Bailey. So, you then can start Bailey Sasha part two and do it correctly this time. Leading up to what everyone thinks is SummerSlam. And you have them picking at each other, distracting each other, interfering, disqualification. You have all that garbage going on that WWE knows how to do so well. But see, there's a wrench thrown in it. Remember, there's money in the bank come May. And Bianca wants in that money in the bank. Well, guess who else may show up at Money in the Bank who's always out there we're wondering if she's going to show? Yeah, that would be Becky Lynch. Are we going to see Bianca in Money in the Bank? Are we going to see Becky in Money in the Bank? Are we going to see them both in Money in the Bank? If we do, is there going to be a storyline there? Because could you imagine what could happen if you had the Bianca Becky storyline going on the same time you have a Bailey Sasha storyline going on? Bianca wins Money in the Bank and drives Bailey absolutely nuts, threatening to cash in constantly, especially when Sasha's interfering. And getting people disqualified and distracting Bailey by being on commentary and Bailey can hear Sasha and then Bianca Belair standing at the top of the stage waving the money in the bank briefcase. Doesn't that sound a lot more exciting than what they've been giving us? Honestly. And don't you think by taking on Tamina or Natty, going to Carmella, going to Sasha, 
and then going to Bailey, having four prominent best wrestlers in SmackDown work with Bianca that we won't know her better than we know her now. Natty is a heck of a storyteller. Carmella came back on fire with her matches and her storytelling, and it seems like they've dropped her. Where did she go? Where is her story? Where is her being untouchable? We know Sasha told a heck of a story in the ring. Think if you would have had a clear plan on how she could have had an actual story building up to that match they had. And we know Bailey's an awesome storyteller. We would have known a whole lot better who Bianca Belair is and we could see where she's going. And you would have fans rooting for her right and left. Because taking on Natty and seeing how she conducts herself, how professional she is, and how babyface she is, would have led up to Bianca becoming your leading babyface on SmackDown after taking on three heels in a row. Carmella, Sasha would have been a definite heel in that match. And then working with Bailey, the number one heel on SmackDown, getting ready for Sasha, and afterwards wanting her payback. Guys, I can't help but think, yes, there's holes in mine. Yes, some parts of it need change. Yes, um, the wrestlers would have to have a say-so. Please, God, keep that creative crap away from that. But, guys, you have to admit that that booking of Bianca Belair and leaving the tag team titles completely out of it and not interfering with that because you could have had Natty and Tamina going for it a whole lot sooner and actually had them winning the belts at WrestleMania 37. You could have been telling that story. The women still would be getting time. And that's the problem. They're not getting enough time on SmackDown. They're not getting to tell stories. And it's sad. It's not only sad for Bianca. It's sad for the whole daggone division. Guys, WWE, if any of you guys are listening to this or anybody knows them, And is listening to this. My God. They fought so hard. And we actually thought. At the Evolution pay-per-view. 
they had won and was going to start then showing you what they could do. And they did. 2.5 million viewers for Sasha versus Bailey on SmackDown. And you guys blew it all up. You blew the whole daggone division up. Not just SmackDown, but Raw too. You've got to get it together. I don't know what it's going to take. Probably firing that whole daggone creative team. Um, Because obviously they don't understand wrestling and wrestling storylines and short-term builds and long-term builds and actually having programs and actually giving the proper amount of time. I don't know, but something's got to change. And they've got to build stars to take on the four horsewomen, Asuka, Shayna, Natty, Tamina, uh, Naya, Lana, Naomi, the Riot Squad, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke. You have so much talent. You have so many storytellers. Let them tell their stories. I guess we've got to go back to give women a chance, hashtag. I guess I'll start it in today's show notes. Anyway, that's my ideas. You tell me whether you disagree, what you would do, how you would change things. Give me your plan or take my plan and poke holes in it and fill in where you think I'm wrong. But think about it and write it down. Send it to me so that I can talk about it on a future episode or write WWE. Guys, Use the hashtag. Give the women a chance. You can reach me at my email, prowrestlingot at gmail.com. You can reach me on Instagram, prowrestlingovertime. You can reach me on Twitter, prowrestlingovertime. That's two O's, prowrestlingovertime. Um, Facebook page is wrestling overtime. All DMs and Messenger and all of that garbage is open in case you don't want to say anything out in public where somebody may see it or may make fun of you. Obviously, I'm not afraid of that since I'm doing a daggone podcast. But anyway, I look forward to hearing from you and talking to you soon. I will see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with carrier. Products sold separately.
For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, experienced staff at local branches, and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.